Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. Well, uh, so there's been a lot of news this week about some things the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have may or may not been trying to shut down, and uh, we can't confirm or deny whether this podcast was one of them, but uh, either way, we can say that uh, whether the Riders want this podcast to go on or not, and the answer is probably not. I feel like, Joel, we might have some credibility, you know, whatever credibility we lose from having me on this podcast, it's going to, like, cancel out from our guest we're going to have on in a little bit here. Yeah, and normally we don't have guests on this podcast, but uh, we do like to break our own rules from time to time. And we felt that, you know, there's a big change coming in Saskatchewan, and uh, Derek Taylor of TSN will be taking over as the voice of the riders here in a little bit, as he'll be the voice going forward. And because he's likely going to outlast everyone in football operations and any players, uh, it's probably good that we get to know him a little bit and get uh, let Saskatchewan and the CFL get to maybe know him on a little bit of a different side. So we might as well uh, bring him on. Plus, I mean, everyone loves DT. I don't really know anyone that doesn't, quite frankly. So it's true. And yeah. uh, so that's going to happen. Uh, we will touch on that NFL uh, situation. A little bit of a weird situation going there. And we're going to talk about the uh, surprising but not so surprising implosion of the AAF and uh, what that means for the CFL and what it specifically yes. means for John Fraser because there's an interesting name out there now that might be able to return to the league that I know will very much excite Mr. John Fraser. I but can't wait to hear it. <laughs> before we get into all that, uh, John, what's in the glass this week? Tonight is a rum night. Uh, so in the glass this week is a, a Caribbean rum called Pirate. It's been a very hectic uh, couple of weeks at work, so I like to celebrate with what is really my most top shelf rum. Um, comes with a cork. Uh, just basically, it is if you like rum, it is heaven in a glass. If you mix it with Coke, in my presence, I will stab you in the face. <laughs> okay, that's uh, a touch aggressive, I guess, but uh... it's 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 that good. You cannot bastardize this stuff. Uh, just a little bit of water activate the taste on some rocks. And you're going to feel like you're the Caribbean. You know, I, I, I can agree. I'm very much that way about a number of uh, whiskeys and scotches. If you start mixing them with things, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to quite stab you in the face, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a judging look at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'll full stab. <laughs> okay. Uh, so if there's ever any eye stabbings in Saskatoon, we'll uh, make sure to uh, see where John's run away to. And I will make, I'll have a stone cold alibi. <laughs> uh, for me, I've gone uh, with uh, one of your all time favorites, John, just keeping it nice and simple today. Uh, the pile of bones, white IPA. Oh, so good in my face hole, but I don't have any, so I must stick to my rum. Well, we don't often have guests here on the three down green cast, but every now and then we like to uh, break our own rules because we're like that. And uh, we figured we might as well get to know a guy who's going to be spending a lot of time in this province now. You know him well from his days on the CFL on TSN. Uh, Derek Taylor, new voice of the Riders. Uh, I'm sure that feeling must still be sinking in a little bit there for you, Derek. 
I can't wait to let the whole province of Saskatchewan know my voice. They're going to love me. <laughs> Go Riders! Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's still pretty uh, unbelievable that somehow through all the all the competition and all the circumstances that had to transpire for me to be ready to take this job at this time that it, that it actually happened to me. It's, it's amazing. What, what transpired it? I know you and I have talked uh, for a while. Uh, we've exchanged thoughts on each other's play by play stuff. You know, you and I have had a relationship going back uh, a couple of years now, but uh, was it, was it a, they approached you or, or did you hear that this was going to come available and you, you know, shined up the old resume or how did it all go down? Uh, Derek? Well, I, when Rod Peterson stepped down in January, I thought, oh, wow, look at this. Uh, these jobs don't come often, right? Because when yeah. you just look across the country and you go, hey, well, the, the guy before Morley in Edmonton was there for 40 years. And Bob Irving in Winnipeg has been there for more than 40 years. And Rod himself had been in Saskatchewan for 20 years. Uh, uh, the guy in Calgary, I think, is in one, year 26, 27. Like, yeah. these jobs don't come often, uh, don't come open often so when i heard rod was stepping down i, I immediately called my wife and said uh, what do you think and she's like what it's in saskatchewan i live and work in saskatchewan and we've been <laughs> working in separate provinces for two and a half years you should apply yeah so I thought, which obviously confirmed what i thought so yeah uh reached out to them uh we got in touch we you know the whole meet and greet and interview and you know they gave us some homework to do they were really ckrm was really really quite thorough in in doing what it could to i guess to whittle down candidates and find the mm -hmm. person that they thought was was right for the job so it was it probably took over the span of eight nine weeks and uh, eventually they said hey uh, we'd like it to be you and i said please sir, may i have another and they were like yeah <laughs> don't ever do that accent again and yeah you're the guy so it's uh, it was a long process, but as you guys can imagine, absolutely worth it. What is the I guess other than finally having John Fraser pay his bar tab for you? What is like <laughs> the most exciting thing that you're looking forward to starting this job? Because I know you get to wear a lot of different hats and maybe try some different things. Because people may not know you're not only doing play by play, you're now the host of the sports cage as well. Yeah, I, and I think honestly, it's uh, being able to do the play-by-play -play is just it, it, if you've done it, you know exactly what, what I'm talking about. It, it's just yeah, it's, it's just being there and being on the front lines of it and riding the emotion of a game, and not only riding it, but you're responsible for describing it to people who can't who can't be there. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It it really is a big test about. Well, how much of this, you know, these 24 people can I see at once and how can I describe it and what can I describe to people because what do, what do they absolutely need to know? And then working with a, with a, a new partner in Luke Mullinder. And uh, in the nine years I did Manitoba Bisons football, I probably worked with four or five different play-by-play -play guys from my, my buddy Matt Rollison to former CFL players. So each one's a little different. And the, the one mm -hmm. game I called at TSN, I got to work with the, Dwayne Ford, who was phenomenal. So, uh, Luke, I'll be comparing you to Dwayne Ford if you're watching this. <laughs> a lot of trouble because Forty is is tremendous. But yeah, there's there's nothing like calling the game. So there's uh, I I love the thought of my own radio show and what I can do with that. But the the number one part is calling the games for sure. Yeah, I think the number one one piece of feedback I know that we we've talked amongst uh, ourselves and and several other CFL fans, including Professor uh, John Miller uh, on uh, Twitter, of course, yep. the infamous Twitter personality. 
Um, you're best known, and, and Joel and I absolutely love your stuff when it comes to the numbers, when it comes to the advanced stats, when it comes to new ways of looking at a football game. Uh, you and I, I, I think I've liked every single time you've talked about going for two every single time and, uh. and, not, and, not, <laughs> and, not, and not giving up the safety. And like every time, I cannot hit that like button quick enough. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine you're, go- you're still going to work a lot of that into your broadcast and your pregame show. Is that, that's obviously, like that's not going anywhere, is it, Derek? No, and there'll be, there'll be parts of that, and, and you can't beat people over the head with that stuff because people at home kind of – some of them won't care, but there's real there's real conversations in there to be had with Luke. Another thing I hope that isn't going away, Derek, is the Hank Hill-esque cartoon version of you. I got propane in my urethra. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Luke, that thing must feel like propane in my urethra. <laughs> Will be. I, I, man, I cannot, I cannot tell you. Like people, people know me because of that segment, and I, and honestly, uh, probably a healthy part of why, you know, why I'm in this job is, is because of that segment. And yeah, there's a, there's a lot of hard work uh, on my part because last year there was thirteen thousand plays I had to go through. But so much of uh, the credit for that is due to uh, the original producer of it and, the, and all the editors that took care of it. Because if the original producer, a guy, his name was Poria, if if he doesn't come back with, you know what, I think it should be a cartoon and I think it should have this graph paper style uh, and I'm going to have this music go in the background. If he doesn't come up, come back with a with a cartoon and, you know, it wasn't other producers who said, oh, he should be in a lab coat with a little TSN logo, uh, that segment and all the players should be cartoons. Players love their cartoons. Like if those people don't come back with those things, this thing isn't nearly as big a deal as it as it turned out to be. And maybe I don't end up in this job. So honestly, a lot, a lot of the a lot of uh, me getting this job is due to the, the smart contributions of other other good fans. So and good uh, coworkers, let's say. So uh, yeah, I owe them a ton. No, abs- absolutely. And and again, I'm looking forward to it. And, and the funny thing is, is I think one thing Rider Nation has done. It has been as soon as you were announced as the guy, it's like they they wanted to see you come out and wear a whole bunch of Ryder green. And, and I think <laughs> you did a very good job of that on Twitter. It was like, wait, this guy's been in Toronto and he's been in Manitoba. And you're just like dunking on everybody with these great photos that uh, that your wife took, that, that it's you and Ryder green. So in my Dembski, Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, now you have a chance to speak directly to some of the fans of Ryder Nation. You have a chance to say yeah. to them. You are one million percent a writer's guy. The floor is yours to proclaim your love of all things green and white, my friend. Yeah, if you scour the internet, you're going to see pictures of me in Argo's gear, and you're going to see pictures of me in Riders gear and Bombers gear. Honestly, the last five years, my my policy has kind of been, well, I, I, I'm not a fan of a specific team. So yes, I grew up in Alberta, and yes, I'm from Winnipeg. You know, my wife and I met in Winnipeg, and I lived there for more than a decade. When I went to games, I just made a point of rooting for the home team because of who I was yeah. and where I work. So I was in Argo gear. My wife was in Ryder gear as we watched Brandon Bridge march, the, march them down for a regular season win against the Argos. That's just how I thought I would handle it. Now, I mean, come on, it's all it's all Riders, right? I, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a Ryder fan. I'm not going to be an over the top, over the over the boards rider fan, like just gone completely 
you know, it's all writer, all writers are are good and everybody else is evil. There's other good <laughs> people in the league too, right? There's some other there's some other good folks, you know. Uh Bo didn't didn't go to the riders in the offseason. Still a good dude and still a pretty great player. So there's gonna be we're gonna acknowledge that the other ones exist, but uh yeah, we're gonna be all we're gonna be all riders. I can't wait to get into breaking down Tacoby Cofield stats. That'll be that'll show. Oh I how Dan Clark was an all-star for me last year. We're going to get into stuff like that. Oh, I'm, 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 oh. I'm absolutely looking forward, forward to all of that, uh, especially to I will be the first one now. You kind of got – I've seen you your episodes of the details about Zach Caleros and the fact yep. that Zach Caleros has been – you know, was once an MLP candidate. He's now much less than that here in Saskatchewan. Uh, Derek, do you think he can be the guy here in Ryderville? Or, and I'm sure this is probably question 1A on, on the first sports cage that you do, uh, or do they still need to, to look at, at bringing somebody else, like a Kevin Glenn or somebody like that? Or is Zach Caleros going to be the guy from all the super smart things that you've watched and, you know, you're way more advanced than I could ever dream to be? So I, I, I wonder if I'll always be kind of stuck because 2015 was the first year I started tracking CFL games. If, mm. if I'll always be stuck with the, with this picture of 2015 Zach Kalaros in my mind, uh, right. because he was so phenomenal. And on my Twitter at DT on SC was a piece I did at the time. He was en route to a historic season, like Casey printers first season level plus 10% more, which Anybody who remembers Casey Printers remembers how awesome he was in his first go round in the CFL. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if my own biases will will leave me stuck with that version of Zach and always thinking he can get back there. Uh, like you said, last year it was not particularly good. Um, yeah, he didn't play the full season. But if if they don't have a backup for for Kalaros, that's that's nuts because I mean, how many times did he end up missing time with injury just last? Yeah, season? absolutely. And what's the what's the overriding concern about Zach Kalaros? Oh, he I mean, another head injury because yeah. the league decided to let people crush him in the skull. So yeah. just just for the sake of the league would let teams crush Zach Kalaros in the skull, you need to have a backup. And maybe maybe work on the rules that somehow allow you to miss the call blatantly headshots on Zach Kalaros. Let's uh, this is my rider's homerism coming out now. Stop letting them hit Zach Kalaros in the head, please God for his own concern and for the greater good the greater good of the game. Uh, no, I'm I'm with you and I love the passion oh. coming out with it. Um Maybe he needs to go back to remember when, um, what was it, uh, Steve Young wore that like giant foam thing on top of his, his hat. It was like call, on his helmet, That's like right. call a pro cap. Yes. Yeah, wh whatever it was called, it was just made out of like foam. Like, I yeah. feel like we, we need to find some, like, maybe you convert a giant rider's cowboy hat into it, but I feel like we need to find one of those for Zach Caleros. I, I, that'd be fantastic. I would, I would settle for, and I'd be very curious to see because. The riders were were kind of the way they handled their their receivers leading into to last season, and they had all these young receivers once the season started because everybody got cut. I kind of wonder if they they'll look at what Hamilton did with and speaking of Hamilton, where he, where he came from, Jeremiah Masoli, and using more six linemen and a fullback and a little more max protection because man, did that ever turn Hamilton's offense around? They took Masoli, who was fundamentally an inaccurate passer in his entire career leading up to last year. And they went, you know what? Seven-man protection. Masoli can sit in the pocket. We have receivers to get open. He's going to mm. throw 
you know, 50% deeper than he did the year before and just bomb that thing all over the for Hamilton. So I wonder how much Saskatchewan would go, oh, you know what, a fullback and an extra offensive lineman. And Zach could feel like he's protected because you've seen points of that, you know, in his time with the Riders and, and is the end of his time with the Ticats of like, okay, I'm not sure that I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to be kept from being clobbered here. Maybe some of that comes into the offense and, and things prosper. I mean, if you use William Powell as a, as a blocking back, you're you're not doing it correct because that dude's a yes. runner. But maybe there is uh, something to be done there on second down that that makes Zach feel better about himself and and can get him back to 2015 because uh, I again I can't stress how great he was and how much I still think of him in in that level of regard. I think I in my top 40 ballots um, for our top 50 show we do a yep. 40 man ballot at TSN. Uh, I forget how high I had Kolaris, but he was on there because my expectations for him are are very high. No, you're, and you're absolutely right. I, I love the point there and what Mazzoli's doing. And we've discussed the o- offense quite a bit with you here, Derek. What is it that makes this defense so good from an analytics standpoint? You know, what is it that, that you see and you read into that? I mean, the eye test, they obviously pass the eye test. You look, you see yeah. speed, you see physicality, you see everything you'd want in a football defense. Uh, is there something that the numbers indicator, is there something that, that, that just maybe the common man doesn't see that really acknowledges just how damn good this defense is and will be? Well, and it's, it's going to undergo a big transition. So all of this may be invalid because Chris Jones is now gone. But the last yeah. couple the last couple of years, how they've been able to get pressure with just three men rushing uh, because of tremendous defensive ends in, in, uh, in Charleston Hughes. And uh, I'm going to forget his name because he went to the Bombers. But uh, I think <laughs> Willie something, Will, Mr. I forget. But between like Willie Jefferson and Charleston Hughes were able to get a amount of pressure on just three-man protection, which allows guys to drop and cover zones or however they want to do it. So it was honestly, it was their flexibility the last couple of years because of guys like that. So you take out Willie Jefferson. Uh, A.C. Leonard is still, I thought A.C. Leonard last season did some fantastic high-impact stuff. Obviously, Ottawa leaving him out when the playoffs came around didn't. Uh, but Micah Johnson in the middle is going to crush people. So they're going to be able to get pressure with that front again and then have all those options. And it was it was uh, their ability to put in guys who, I mean, Ottawa discarded Lucez Purifoy. And that dude mm. is fantastic. Like, this guy was a weak side linebacker in BC. And then he's a boundary corner. And he's a, he was they play him all over the place. Uh, in Ottawa, then they cut him. Saskatchewan goes, and maybe it was some personality thing, some locker room thing, I don't know. But Saskatchewan's like, snap, please come here. And he comes and he fits in immediately. He's an absolute, he's a stud starter. So it was it was their flexibility the last couple of years. Uh, Ed Ganey last year. Yes. It led, Ed Ganey's the boundary halfback, but there was one point in the season where Duran had gotten toasted by a couple of uh, smaller <laughs> receivers, and they went, okay, we're playing matchups across the board here, and Ed is going to track the best receiver. So the Darrell Walker, the Kamar Jordan, things like that, which no other team does or does or did. You're like, oh, okay. They they feel like they can make some moves around here. So if they can keep that going, they, they still have the personnel to do it because, I mean, you lose Willie, but you add Micah, you, you probably got a hair better, which sounds crazy to say. You replace a first-team uh, all-CFL defensive end with a first team uh defensive tackle they they might be better personnel wise so scheme wise and coaching wise how will they be that'll be 
that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, it's it, it was their flexibility in attacking offenses that was so fantastic. All those touchdowns last year, they almost scored yeah. more touchdowns than the offense did. Yeah, yeah. We, we we talked a little bit about this on the on about that on this podcast about how especially defensively it all starts up the middle, and I think that's why Mika is going to be able to open up some big things for both for all the defensive ends. But at the end of the day, all this falls on the shoulders of Craig Dickinson, and this is going to be his first crack at the can as a head coach. You know, by all accounts, a great guy. I've had some dealings with him. What are you expecting from Craig Dickinson as first year head coach after such a long go? Yeah, I honestly have no idea what to expect. Like people I've talked to said, you will love him. You'll mm-hmm. love dealing with Craig Dickinson. But do, do any of us have any really any idea of what he, he'll be like as a head coach? Will he be a delegator? Will he want to run uh, you know, this part or that part? Will he stay running special teams? Who, I mean, everything's kind of up in the air. So uh, I have no idea what to expect. But, uh, I mean, continuity, at least on the offensive coaching side. So... And man, that personnel to work with on defense—it's uh, they're off to a good start. Like, obviously, Coach Dickinson doesn't get the job if he's not good. So, uh, I think you have to you have to kind of trust that the Riders knew what they were doing in in uh, making him their head coach and uh, and be ready for that when the when the preseason kicks off. They were handcuffed that, no. a little bit thanks to uh, the new football operations cap. You know, kind of making these moves a little bit. I think. Uh, where, where do you think this goes down the road? Do you think this is a permanent thing, or is this temporary, or is this going to be good, bad, indifferent? I think once once the league installs it, it's probably going to be permanent. Um, and it's every, everything's about competitive balance, right? The salary cap for players is about competitive balance. Uh, but Saskatchewan is a, is a, it's a franchise, the Riders, that, I mean, presumably, way more money than everybody else, right? When you yeah. see the nonstop layers upon layers of jerseys at the stadium and go, and you see that you go to the rider store. My wife lives in Saskatoon. You go to the rider store in Saskatoon and you go, Oh, I can look at all this. It's just this wonderland of green paraphernalia <laughs> and, and, and uh, memorabilia. You're like, wow. Okay. This is the Argos do not have something comparable. I can confirm having lived in Toronto, there is no comparable store for the Argos. So <laughs> it's, it's to keep things kind of even. And I, I, I get why they do it because you know, to, to force, you know, poorer teams to, you know, to try and keep pace in that arms race, but you could end up losing one. So it, it works against the riders, but I, I think that's probably, I think it's probably here to stay. Some players have floated the idea with this whole ratio talk going around now that maybe that should apply to the foot, to the football operations department as well. What do you think of that? Uh, guaranteeing jobs for Canadian coaches. I Coaches and managers. I, yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not against that. All, ratios can always be manipulated, though. I think is mm-hmm. the big thing to remember. Like, there's there's a ratio. Of, there's got to be seven starters, but where do the where do they end up putting the Canadians? Okay, yeah. well, three defensive interiors, the field side wide receiver, safety. Okay, we're up to five. You're going to be my kicker punter, which isn't starters, but you're going to be that. Fullback is going to be Canadian, you know, middle linebacker and uh, and nose tackle. Okay, well, there's the seven shoehorning spots that we're going to put our Canadians in. So uh, there's there's ways to to work a, around stuff like that. I anything that gets more Canadians jobs in the CFL, uh, I, I'm in favor of in, in the front office because yeah, it's hey I, we root for our own, right? Our boy yeah, Justin Dunk would like to hear that. <laughs> I, I think I think we're universally on board with that. Um, uh, Derek, of course, we are all excited for hearing you. You get an opportunity to call your very first game on CKRM. I'm absolutely looking forward to it myself. But uh, 
there could be a labor dispute that could put things maybe put a little bit of a cramp on things, a damper on things. Now, yeah. I think maybe the perspectives changed with today's announcement, the Alliance of American Football uh, suspending operations. But have you heard any kind of rumblings around the halls of, of TSN through the players, through some people you spoke to? I imagine, you know, the entire football community has been in touch. You know, where where how do you feel? Have you heard anything and are you feeling optimistic that, that you're going to get to make your debut as scheduled? Oh, I, I absolutely am. Uh, there's there's not much benefit, and, and I think uh, owner, owner, the owner side knows, there's really not a ton of benefit that the players could get from from missing games because you're probably never going to get that money back. There's, there's obviously a benefit to it, but there's, you know, them missing games is them missing out on money. So I think the owners go into this knowing, okay, we're probably going to have a season because – uh, I don't think the owner. I don't think the owners believe the players would would go on strike. I mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't. So I, I think they'll come to some sort of compromise, and it will be everybody will be unhappy with it on some level, <laughs> because that's that's the way these things always go. It's always yeah. good to say if if everybody's a little bit unhappy. So yeah, um, I I would love to see, but you know, in the negotiation, like people have said, well, what about a cat? What about a cap for quarterbacks? What about changing the ratio? Honestly, all all I really want, uh, and I have no say in this, obviously, but what I would love to see is uh, for young players into the league. I, I want a higher minimum salary. I'd love higher uh, money, more money for being on the practice roster because yeah. I just want to see. You see these kids, right? They're kids. They're 22, just out of college. I'm 23, 24. I want to see them be able to try and make football a career for a longer period of time. Try for a longer period of time to make football a career because they have pressures, you know, at home. Maybe they're from a, maybe they're from America and they got pressures at home and the dollar doesn't go as far. I'd, I'd love to see them be able to chase their dream for longer. So for me, if I was, if I was in there, uh, like a higher minimum salary, more money for, you know, fringe people w- would be my priority because – Man, I mean, you guys know from your for your own careers, you know, being able to to chase your dream before yeah. the rest of life's pressures kick in on you is so is so fantastic. So uh, that's that's what I'm rooting for. Who honestly, who knows what the, what they're going to come back with? I've been following, you know, Matthew Shinitti from TSN, uh, you know, as he talks about stuff like this and and the updates that come from Three Down Nation and Justin Dunk and stuff like that. Uh, that's that's where I'm getting my info from right now, and I'll occasionally hear from players as well. Uh, but mm. yeah, I just I want a deal to be ready for the season, and man, some sort of some sort of longer term health care. How when yeah. you see, when you see Jonathan Hefney's story, I was I was at that game when he and you heard him get hit and see the end of his career. You go, oh, I hope it. it in my heart as a human being, I hope there's something on the on the healthcare aspect, long term healthcare aspect for the players as well. Well, Derek, I think we're going to let you go in a second here, but uh, one last question before we go, and it's an important one. Um, okay. It's a bit of a sticking point with one of your soon to be coworkers. Okay, what do you think of the last Saskatchewan Pirate? <laughs> yes. <laughs> The song. I wish I had any idea what you were talking about. <laughs> it's a song they play during <laughs> the third quarter stretch. It once because it sounds like it might be important. I have no idea. It is about. a song that they play during the third quarter stretch of every Ryder game. And okay. uh, Mitchell Blair has such a disdain for it that he will walk out of the press box to the bathroom at, ev- at the end of every third quarter. Really? So yeah. that, <laughs> what, what I think of when I think of Cotton Eye Joe. 
that's what Mitchell thinks of the last Saskatchewan Pirate, hey? Okay. Yeah. Basically, yeah. So if you want to antagonize him when you first arrive, he's a great guy. Uh, he, he's, but he's a lot of fun to poke some fun at. Uh, <laughs> put up lots make of that my ringtone. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. Make it your ringtone. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure to call often and uh, also put out a giant cardboard cutout of WorkSafe Bob near his office and you'll be the new favorite at harvard broadcasting oh i love it i love it ways to antagonize my co-workers and i haven't met them in person yet yes it's <laughs> a lot for coming on i know you're looking forward to getting out to to the province so i can finally repay you for every time you've been on a podcast with me yes i will pay up and uh closer to your wife and just being the voice of rider nation man we are looking forward to it buddy well here's to many more podcasts in the future thanks for having me on well, thanks again to uh, Derek Taylor for joining us on a rare guest appearance here on the Three Down Greencast. And as promised now, we're going to get into the chat of uh, an NFL game that was apparently going to be coming here, or at least uh, rumored or had a good shot of coming to Saskatchewan, and then all of a sudden didn't. And um, if you read my piece on Three Down Nation, I wrote it last week, it came up over the weekend, and... It was, it was something I felt I had to write because there was there had been a lot of different things going on there, and it just, none of it really made a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. Quite frankly, why, as reported first by John Gormley of Rolco Radio, that this was you know, basically the riders did all they could to shut this down, and eventually they got their way. And, John, you know, people know my thoughts. I made it pretty clear uh, that I think this the riders really didn't have a reason to be against this. What are your yeah. thoughts on everything kind of that's gone down with this? I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it, it, it reeks almost of organizational insecurity to not allow, you know, a, a different brand of football to come play at your stadium, even if it's it, it, even if it is a completely different thing. Like to me, the Oakland Raiders playing here against the Green Bay Packers would be absolutely no different then the Heritage Classics is coming up with, you know, the Jets and Flames, which I will be attending, got my tickets this week. But it's just, it's such a different thing. The NFL is such a different thing than the CFL. It's just funny to me that they would be the ones to, to stand in the way. And I, I think even just with that, I mean, obviously the public still loves them, but the number one complaint I saw from some of my NFL fan buddies is like, hey, we're going to be paying taxes. You know, our tax money went into this stadium on a provincial level only to have an organization that was the smallest part of funding the stadium. I mean, it's the biggest part, the biggest reason the stadium's there, but the smallest part of funding the stadium to put a kibosh on something that was an entirely different form of entertainment in my eyes. To me, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous and... I get it. You're spreading some entertainment dollars, maybe thin, but I, I, I'm not a fan of them killing it because it's going to go to another market. It's going to go to Edmonton, Winnipeg, if from the sounds of it, and it's going to do very well. People want to see something different, and this is going to give them opportunity to see that. Yeah, I think, and I wrote it in the piece when the stadium started being built, and we started talking about the future of you know, events in Saskatchewan and what this stadium would bring. I don't think the idea of an NFL game was ever brought up. It was never really mm-hmm. something that people ever truly, really, you know, the concerts and the hockey games and all these things and, you know, monster trucks and whatever, all the stuff we, you know, yeah, okay. We knew all that stuff would start coming here with the stadium, but the NFL game is on a whole other level. And I wrote this in the piece, and it's not, this isn't about the quality of football. This mm-hmm. is about the stage. And the NFL is probably, at least in North America, the biggest sports stage in the world. 
and yeah. to in North America anyway, to have that come to your town, even in just a preseason game, is something different. And the game itself really is inconsequential, quite frankly. It's a preseason game. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be great football, but it was going to be at least the third preseason game, which was usually the only one kind of worth watching. You'd maybe yep. see Aaron Rodgers for a quarter. You'd see Antonio Brown for a little bit. And, you know, you'd see these guys and that would, that would be worth it. But it's, it's all the other things. It's the shot. It's uh, all of a sudden, you know, this game's probably on at least in California and Packers fans all over the country of the United States are watching this thing. And it's just a big advertisement for Mosaic Stadium, Regina, yep. Saskatchewan, the whole thing. And that's the missed opportunity for all, for everyone involved, including the riders, because maybe some, you know, maybe it draws a few people to come up here and check it out. And maybe they do go to a rider game in the future because they talk about it on the broadcast, how football crazy this area is and how crazy they are for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So well, that's, well, that's well, really an option, right? Well, and not even fan, not even fans coming up to, to make the, the trip to the Mecca of football in North America. But these there's a good chance... The guys playing in the NFL preseason at some point are going to hit the waiver wire, are going to need a contract, mm -hmm. and they talk to each other. Let's face it. The facilities at New Mosaic are top shot. Like, they are the best, arguably the best, out like, the best outdoor stadium for football in North America, period, no arguments, anything. You would have a chance to show potential players how good – your facilities are, you know, it's like a recruitment trip. You know, they, they, they play, they see that, hey, this is legit. Canada's not, you know, you got guys that are coming from the South that think we have winter 12 months a year instead of only eight, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's foolish. And, and I think, you know, you're going to go, this game is going to go, say, to Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. And the same logic applies to Winnipeg. I know Investors Group Field is nowhere, anywhere near as nice as New Mosaic. It's not even close. And same with Commonwealth. But you're getting a chance to show off your city, to show off your stadium, to show off your facilities, the guys you could be trying to sign in weeks after that, months after that. I, I think there's so many reasons it's a bad idea to stand in the way and... Yeah, there's just I I could come up with list after list the money mm -hmm. the blah I'm just blah. So that, that's yeah it. yeah so in the piece I broke down a lot of different reasons why the riders are apparently against this. You can read it in the piece if you want because I'm not going to go into all of them right here. But because it was Rod Peterson, former voice of the riders on CJOB, who laid out kind of what he was hearing. So but we're just going to stick to the principal reason as to why the riders were apparently against this game, and that was the field transition, the stadium transition, and. There's a few different things at play here. So number one is, can it be done? And I don't know. I don't know the honest answer. I don't know everything fully that needs to be converted between the NFL and the CFL. But realistically, I don't think it's that much. Okay, there's some line. You know, you need to repaint some lines, move some field goal posts, and all that. Which, ironically, if they had, you know, put in turf that wasn't stitched in the first place, this would be a lot easier, number one. Yeah. If they could just wipe the paint off and start over again and repaint the mosaic logo and all the lines and everything, but instead they're just permanently there and they have to paint it over with the wrong color of green every time there's a playoff game or a different sporting event that requires the turf. But anyway, that's a whole other issue that I know has been a point of contention among some people, especially some former rider employees. But anyway... So even if we take that out of the word, so whether it could be done or not, I don't know. But when the CEO of Everest Place goes on with David Curtin of uh, Rolco Radio and says he believed they can make the transition, 
then I am willing to believe that they can make the transition. Yes. And there is another there's another myth going around here, and then this is kind of a side thing where everyone talks about, well, what about TSN? Well, the TSN setup has nothing to do with Everest Place, and the TSN setup, frankly, has nothing to do with TSN. Because how television production in this country works, especially for live sports, is everything is set up by this company called Dome Productions, which yes. is owned by Rogers and Bell, and they send trucks all over the country to do live sporting events, and they set up all the cameras, blah, blah, blah. They set up the whole thing. So it's not ever as place employees that would have to change for the NFL versus a CFL broadcast the next day. Odds no. are they could probably just set it up and leave it. And you know what? We might actually get a better CFL on TSN production the next day because the NFL setup was there the day before. Oh, absolutely. You're 100% right, Joel, because you know, yeah, whatever team, whatever sports network this is being shown on down in the States is going to pay the bucks to make sure they have an NFL level production. And you said it, you hit the nail on the head, revealing, you know, that little bit of TV magic that leave it set up, switch where the feed goes, problem solved. Yeah, and so there, the, when there's live events on TSN or Sportsnet or CBC or any of these things, they only bring, a, you know, they don't bring everyone with them. You know, it's the talent comes with them, a few producers, but basically everyone else that sets it up, that runs the cameras, that does all this stuff is already in market. Everyone who films, everyone who works camera for a rider game on TSN, for the most part, lives in the province. A lot yeah. of them work for the competing networks. I've, se- I've seen guys, yeah. I've seen global cameramen working camera game for the CFL on TSN. Like, that's just how it works in every single market you go to, in every sport. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's, there's tons of, and, and that again... And you're right when you've got a contradict like it, this it, it doesn't hold weight. There are reasons that they're claiming just don't hold weight. It is some sort of insecurity, and I don't like it. It's stupid. The game should be played in Regina. Yeah, and it would have brought a whole different fan to the game because, quite yeah. frankly, there are a lot of football fans. I don't think across the prairies who may have traveled to come watch this game that don't necessarily go to CFL games, and they would have had the chance to experience Regina and the stadium. And all that when they maybe wouldn't have. But uh, moving on, there's another group of players and teams that won't be playing in Regina this weekend or next weekend or anytime soon. And that's uh, the Alliance of American Football. As uh, surprisingly, not this, surprisingly, but not surprisingly, it looks like uh, the league is on the way out already. Like, it's crazy. Like, you know, I don't think anyone's too surprised that it didn't last more than a season. But surely yeah. we all thought it would have at least got through their first championship game. All of a sudden now here we are a few weeks before the playoffs and they're Tom Dundon, the new investor that's taken over. It's like, nope, this is done. He's he's lost something like $70 million and when did he take over the league two months ago? Like, It's just hemorrhaging money. And there's some great Twitter threads out there right now with some of the cost cutbacks that, that they had to make. Like no meals for like, players anymore they just got per diems like it, it really is it proves the difficulty of launching a football league and, and proves again how good the cfl has been but yeah i am personally so i thought though that leading up to it the money they had behind it the organization they had behind it the credibility they had behind had behind it and the tv deal i'm like yeah nope uh so another fraser hot take was very wrong i thought this was going to be genuine competition for cfl players but uh yeah, uh, it's done. 
Yeah, and I, for me, from my perspective, what I always wanted out of this league, and I've, I've always thought that this was the only league that really had a shot to make it work. We'll get into the XFL in a bit here. Um, but I don't think anyone truly believes in that product long-term, especially now. Um, yeah. But all I really wanted was a league that was successful enough to survive and provide decent football kind of in the gap. I've watched it yeah. on and off. I, didn't, I, wasn't, I was never going to make watching the AAF a priority, but I've watched it on and off. I've liked a few of the things they did. Um, but at the same time, I didn't want it to be a threat to the CFL. And I never really thought it would be a massive threat. Like I, I knew there would be pressures on the CFL because of it. That's what I thought, like especially salary-wise and different things. But the established guys aren't going to make more money down there, so they were going to stay there. And there is always more American football players than there are jobs for the most part. Yeah. So you were always going to be able to find guys. But nonetheless, it was it was an interesting threat at the time, especially now that the CFL's on, you know, they're in CBA negotiations. And this was something that had the potential to really put, you know, was something that the CFLPA had in their back pocket as, hey, okay, you guys need to start paying your players on the minimum end a little better or else we're going to lose them to the AAF. Well, all of yeah. a sudden, like anything else, the CFLPA tries to bank on now, it's gone. And <laughs> like it seems like that union can't ever catch a break. And now, you know, if, if, if you can try to push the XFL, but that's not till next year. And I don't really know if the CFL is going to take them all that seriously. So this, to me, this the biggest thing this is now is what does this mean for the CFLPA and the CFL you know, negotiating going forward? I hope, I hope the league doesn't say, okay, we don't need to, you know, we can keep our minimums the way they are. I still think that needs to go up and then the CFLPA needs to find a way to continue to make that a priority without kind of, you know, the 70K base up to 100 and whatever K in year three you'd get from an AAFL deal. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I hope everybody still sees their raise. And I, I think if, if the CFL, I, I think this, if the CFL still acts like the AAF was, was going to be, you know, competing for players and raising the minimum, if they still act like that could be a thing. I don't think there's going to be a labor dispute at all. No, and so there's another couple of interesting things that come out of this AAF uh, pending folding. Uh, number one, there's a piece out on Three Down Nation right now of former players and ones with ties to uh, Canada that could potentially come back to the CFL now that the AAF is kaputz. And one name stuck out on that list because uh, he is the favorite of uh, one of our boys here, John Fraser, and that is, of course... Sergio! Or as I prefer it, <laughs> Sergio. <laughs> yes, Sergio Castillo, one of my randomly most favorite, played three games with Winnipeg kickers of all time, now a free agent. And you know how good Sergio Saskatchewan <laughs> sounds? Oh, yeah. That is like velvety sex for your ears. So right the, there. Here's the thing. If if he does come back to the CFL, and especially uh-huh. if he does sign in Saskatchewan, and if training camp is in Saskatoon, you need to go to camp one day and talk to him. Oh, 100%. I will go. I will, I will like, wear a giant three-down nation shirt that says, I'm credible. Trust me. Ask Justin Dunk. Uh, just <laughs> to interview Sergio. And, and I'll make sure, and I will talk to all the other media guys to make sure that nobody's doing the token kicker story that day. It'll be like, Sergio. That's how I'll start every question, and then I will be kicked out of training camp. It'll be worth it. And, and it'll be totally worth it. It'll be better than the time I got heat stroke at training camp because my old employer made me wear pants because they were a bunch of doo-doo heads. 
yeah, I think anything would be better than that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I just remember you looking at me being pale and very sweaty. They're making me wear pants, Joel. And we all know how and you feel about pants. So I hate them. Hate pants. So for me, the what needs to happen now with the AF? There needs to be mm-hmm. one final game. They need to actually okay. have a championship game. If the league is folding, they need to do it this weekend. So yep. I think you, first place is uh, the Orlando Apollos. So they should be in the game. And then there's a lot of teams at five and three for the sake of everyone and where the story is going. It should be against the San Antonio commanders because they're frankly the only market in the AAF that cares as they've averaged over 29,000 fans game. So they deserve to be in the championship game as that as well. Here's a twist before the start of the game. And I think three down nations, Josh Smith is going to appreciate this reference Mm -hmm. before the game starts. A few minutes before, just right before the opening play, since they don't do kickoffs or anything. Right. Shane McMahon all of a sudden appears on the scoreboard. Starts talking about how this is the game. This is the championship game, and I will be taking the winner of this game to take down my father's league, the XFL, from the inside. Ooh. Ooh. I like it. And the winning team will, of course, be San Antonio because... They, they, they care if you're going to use and yeah. So he brings in Antonio, the XFL, and it, it moves on from there. And then it becomes, you know, they have like the three games a week or whatever that are XFL broadcasts and randomly it cuts into an AAF broadcast. And this is an old reference. Like this, this is an old wrestling reference for people that don't know what the hell I'm talking about right now. <laughs> it was sometime in the 2000s, late in uh, when WCW was on the outs. Uh, one point, quietly, uh, Vince McMahon, or probably not so quietly, I was young then, so I didn't really know bought WCW and effectively became the professional wrestling monopoly that it is today. So the very last edition of WCW Monday Night Nitro, Shane McMahon appeared on the screen and started talking about uh, you know everything he's going to do with WCW and blah, 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 blah. And they ended up on Raw next week, and it became a whole thing for a while. There was this invasion angle that went on for a while, eventually ending in, of course, WWF or whatever they were at the time, beating WCW, and the whole thing was dead. So that's... Uh, that's kind of where I think this needs to go. So basically, I'm saying Vince McMahon should uh, buy the AAF and take out a recycled uh, wrestling storyline, something he likes to do quite often. It is the only way I would give a damn about the XFL. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.